saved into a community. And his community leader, Julian and Chantel, faithfully discipled him. And he, he, was, he was one of the original group, you know, when we, we started as a congregation. Been in the congregation many years. And now he's a father in the, in the family, you know, leading a, a new congregation. So he, but he started as a baby in the church. Adam, similar thing, got saved into, into Josh Jen when he was in City Bowl. I, I remember, like, him doing conquer with the guys, like praying for him, deliverance, like some of you guys were there, like incredible freedom, growing, seeing him. And, and I just had a moment, you know, when we were you know, thinking of Ian and, and Adam going to plant new churches. There was the sense in the room, like, this is what it's all about. It's about seeing our brothers and sisters growing up in the family, going from being infants, growing up in maturity, becoming mothers and fathers in the faith. That is our joy. There's no greater joy for me than that, than seeing some of you growing up in your faith, going on from nappies to older brothers, sisters, mothers and fathers in the faith, to go, to go way beyond me and us. You know? A lot of my rewards in heaven got stolen recently when Neville did his testimony on Josh Jen Life. And he, Neville leads the church in Zimbabwe and he's like multiple, multiple congregations. And he was telling stories about when he was in my community, literally baby Christian, living with his girlfriend, had to have that awkward chat with him to say, actually, like, if you read this scripture and that scripture, actually, you're living in sin. So you're going to need to, you know, if you want to honor Christ in your relationship, you're going to actually have to separate. And we had their wedding in the yard of the community and the grass outside had a ceremony. Like, baby Christian, you know, and your joy, my joy, is in walking with people, including people in our lives, and seeing them grow. It is the most, imagine on that day when we stand before Christ, seeing people who were impacted by loving, by us just loving them, and, and just faithfully showing them Jesus consistently over the years. I, I wanted to remind us of that, that discipleship is not a, we don't run a discipleship program, you know, where you enter this side and you exit that side and you've got your certificate and now you're a, a qualified Christian. We, we do run courses, for sure, we're running one right now, foundations course. Some of you have been loving it and learning and growing every Monday night, meeting here. But that course is, it's not discipleship, okay, cool, outsourced now to a course. We believe church is family. People come in, we include people in our lives. We have dinners together. We go for walks together. We share. We cry together. We celebrate together. And yeah, we talk about spiritual things and we talk about funny things. We don't separate spiritual from, okay, now I've got my church hat on, my Jesus face. I'm with my Jesus people on a Sunday morning. Okay, now I'm having fun. There's a blend. And you see this in the New Testament. We include people in our lives. We show them Jesus as much as we teach them Jesus. Paul said, imitate me. You know how I was when I lived among you. Amen? I feel like the Lord is calling us back to this. Like One of the, the, the very terrible side effects of, of COVID has been like we're scared of having people in our homes. It's my, it's my, my castle, my my safe place where I lock the doors and 
sanitize anything that moves that comes through the doors. But I feel like the Lord is calling us back to including people in our lives um, and, and living life together, getting to know one another. So in terms of, I said I was going to answer the question, what now for us? What now? I really believe, and this doesn't sound spiritual at, spiritual at all, but it's deeply spiritual. I really believe God is wanting us right now to prioritize spending time with one another. So if you like dinner parties, you're going you're gonna to thrive right now. <laughs> Having people in your home, getting to know the people in this community of belief. When I say community, I mean this community sitting right here. You know, one of the reasons why we keep planting churches out is because we want to be able to come into church on a Sunday morning and know everyone. You know that? I want to be able to say, I know everyone sitting here. Not all to the same extent, but I know their names, they know my names. I'm known here. We know each other. And it's been really difficult to do that with multiple services and being a really big congregation, but God has now pruned us Small again, smaller. And I believe he wants us to invest in each other. Invest time. Give of your heart to one another. Can we do that? That's cool. It's kind of, it's kind of cool, eh? That, that I feel is what God is calling us to do. It doesn't sound spiritual. I'm telling you, it is deeply, deeply spiritual. Jesus said, how will the world know that you are my disciples? By your, by your street side evangelism. No. By your love for one another. You can't love one another if you don't know each other. Amen? You can't love each other if you don't know each other. You can't love each other if you don't spend time with one another. And so it feels like God wants... And it's great that we're coming into December. Because in December you usually have a lot of time to just go to the beach with your friends, go for hikes, do, go camping, spend time. But I want to challenge us to include include people into our lives, not just my two best friends. Um, I feel like um, one of the potential dangers for us is slipping into a functional way of thinking about church. Remember I said there's a fine line between faithfulness and religious duty. Don't slip into a functional way of thinking about church. It's not about function. It's not about what purpose does this serve in my life? It's about relationship. It's about loving and enjoying being, enjoying being together. Amen? One of the things that I also picked up while Brad was sharing, did you notice there was a paradox there? Because he was saying, the whole message was stand firm. And he was saying, I don't know why I'm sharing this word because... You've grown by like however many congregations and you added so many elders. So, but I feel like I'm saying you must stand firm. But it feels like you are standing firm. So I'm not sure why I'm preaching this. But it felt like God was saying, yes, you can do well as a church. But how are you doing? And I feel that for City Bowl. Like even that word this morning, well done church. Yes, and I feel like God is saying, well done church. But how are you doing? How are you doing? Are you passing your tests? It doesn't help that Josh Gen City Bowl is growing and people are getting saved and 
People are getting delivered, and, but you're but you falling away from the faith. That doesn't help. Because Jesus, what is church? It's you and me and us. That's church. So if you're not doing well, it doesn't help that the church is thriving. You understand what I'm saying? And God doesn't neglect the individual. He says he leaves the 99 for the one. And so I want to say this morning that that word that I shared right at the beginning, but at the proper time, you will reap a reward for your faithfulness. I want to say, I feel like God is saying, well done for your faithfulness to us as a congregation. But I want to say to you, how are you doing? Have you been faithful? Or is God even challenging you this morning to say, actually, I want you to love. I want you to love differently to how you've been loving. I want you to love my people like you love me. Pass your tests well. Can you see, this is not my sermon. I'm just, I'm just pulling the threads together of what I feel like God has been saying to us as a body. So, what are we called to as a church, as a congregation? We are called to be a family that makes disciples. And we make disciples by including people in our lives, by speaking truth to one another, by showing Jesus to one another, through our friendships often. Often it's through our friendships that we do this, that we impact people's lives, and infants become adults in the kingdom. So I want to encourage you, if you are, if you are really new to this church, and when I say if you are new, if I look around, that's like half of you, <laughs> which is a little bit exciting and mostly scary uh, for me as a pastor, because I, pastors always think like, one person, how they're doing, are they going to make it? That's how we think, you know? Um, so the whole church can be thriving, but there's that one person you're worried about. I want to say, if you are new, this is what God's doing. He's making, he's turning us from a crowd into a family. That's what he's doing. And he wants you to be a part of that family. I want to encourage you, if you are not yet in a small group, in a community meeting during the week, I really want to encourage you to find a small group to plug into. Why do, why do I say that? Because we're about family, and there's only so much you can achieve on a Sunday morning. You can't be the kingdom of God on one Sunday morning in a week. You can't. You can't be family in the genuine, I know you, you know me, sense, by meeting with God's people once on a Sunday morning in a week. It happens in small groups, and more than small groups. Small groups spill over into friendships, and living together. It's a, me and a means to an end. It's just a practical administration thing which facilitates true family. Even if you're a visitor, we've actually got a list at the visitor table with all the communities in our congregation. That was pre, we sent out three of them. So you'll have to minus three from, from that list. But there's still a list where you can find out small groups meeting during the week. I want to encourage you to get involved there. We're we're also running a foundations course. As I say, it's not to replace discipleship relationally, but we do believe in teaching. Teaching is fundamental to, it's why half the Bible was written, for our teaching, our edification. So we do teach. And you'll notice when we do foundations course, we don't put a video on and play somebody else teaching. We teach. We teach what God has put on our hearts. As we've, why? Because we're fathers in the faith trying to raise up the next generation of, 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 of fathers 
raising infants into adults, and it's a relational thing. So we build relationship even in those times. We want you to get to know us, we want to get to know you, we want to put names to faces and so that that relationship becomes authentic. We don't outsource the teaching or discipleship. I also want to encourage you. We, we, we genuinely believe this from the New Testament. New Testament church is about we, you, me, we taking ownership for what God has called us to. One of the things that I've noticed is that people can be a part of this church for a long time and not feel a part of this church until they take ownership of this, what we're doing. I mentioned the example before of like going into a restaurant again and again and complaining about the service until somebody informs you, but you're the waiter. And that happens in church. You can complain about the church until one day you realize, oh, but I serve in this church. I'm a priest here. It's me. I, I'm, I'm the guy. And, and so what I've noticed is if you are in the church and until you're actually serving in a meaningful way to the needs of the people in the church, you will almost always feel on the fringes. You will. Andrew often makes the joke that when he gets feedback from elders about how was your church meeting on a Sunday, if you've got three people, one of them shared a preach, one of them shared this impactful prophetic word, and the third one did nothing, they all rate the service differently about how well it went. Because it always just goes much better in your mind if you served there. It just is like that. It just is like, how was the meeting? Oh, it was average. What did you contribute? No, nothing. It will be like that, you know. Um, and until you contributing to the needs of the saints, through you be God using you in a meaningful way, you won't feel really a part of the church. Same goes for, for money. Your, your heart goes where your money goes. If you're not faithfully sowing financially, even in tithing, you'll find that your heart doesn't, isn't fully given. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Same, same thing. And so, this is, this is what God's doing. He's bringing us from a crowd into a family where we feel like we love one another, we know one another, and I belong here, and I'm a part of what God is doing in this family. Does that make sense? Um, where's... Where's Deb, Debbie? Is she still here or is she with the kids now? Oh, you're here. Don't you want to just share that Gideon word? Gosh. Um, yeah, so just before worship, um, I got the word Gideon, and I felt like it wasn't for one person. I kind of felt like there are tons of Gideons in the service right now. Um, and almost that sense of when we were much bigger as a congregation, there's almost when God's called you to do something, it feels safer or more achievable with um, stronger men and women in the army. Um, and yeah, maybe just reading from Judges 7, I actually looked for the book of Gideon. <laughs> 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 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, from um, Judges 7. Early in the morning, um, Jerubal, which is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Harad. The camp of Midian um, was north of them in the valley near, near the hill of Morah. So if you haven't read um, the story of Gideon, God basically um, tells him that he's going to defeat the army of the Midianites. Um, so the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into your hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you there. Um, if I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. And basically, I'm not going to read the whole um, passage, um, but um, God divides the men um, in terms of those who cut their hands and those who lap up the water. And he's left with 300 men. Um, so if you think about like the safety that you might have felt when there's like 22,000 men, and God says, you're going to go and take City Bowl. And then he goes, okay, cool, but first let me take away half of like, the people that, that you see as strong. And then he leaves kind of like us. Um, just an encouragement that God still got those purposes and plans for you. And almost like he's cleared the floor space and there's no one left but you. And um, I think it's just so exciting just to see what God's going to do through us. Um, and an encouragement to like rise up and, um, and ask God what he's called you to do because you're part of this kind of mission and vision. You're not standing against the walls. So, yeah. Did you find the book of Gideon, uh, <laughs> Charles? It took you a while to find it, eh? But you got... Yeah, so God, God is calling on us as a congregation. I, I, I'm really excited for us as a congregation. I'm excited for Millie's because I know the people in that congregation are going to rise up. Um, I've already heard of people volunteering to serve on worship in Milneton congregation, and they weren't serving in worship here. So I'm going to go and rebuke them for that and find... <laughs> But that's what happens when God does a Gideon with your congregation, you know, and he thins you out. And he's, it's, it's not just going to be somebody else will do it. No, God wants, God, God like pressurizes us for our sakes. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you for our sakes. He wants us to participate. He wants us to be a part of seeing his kingdom coming for our sakes as much as his because he knows what's going to bring us joy. Haven't you found that when, like we read earlier, when you live for pleasure, you don't ever find it. You don't ever find it. If that's your main priority in life, is to find pleasure, you don't find it. When you seek Jesus, seek his kingdom, and love the things he loves, you find joy. 
That's the way it works. Don't fall into the trap of seeking and searching for and protecting and guarding your pleasure. Don't do it. It's going to leave you empty-handed and very empty. Seek Jesus. Don't you love that song that we were singing earlier? Like, you are my joy, you are my joy. And then that other song that we sang just after we broke bread. What was that, what was that lyric? There's nothing better than you. Jesus, there's nothing better than you. But our hearts so quickly forget that. And we think that other things are better than him. And then you go there and you just, you just get depressed. You just get so disillusioned. Don't fall into the trap. Make Jesus your treasure. Make, and Jesus' kingdom comes through the church, through us. That's how it comes. And so I want to just leave you with this. Invest yourself in Jesus. Turn your love and your affection wholeheartedly to him. And make yourself available to see his kingdom coming through your life. Yes, it will be painful and it will be difficult and all the things Jesus said it would be. But there's nothing quite like it. Eh? There's nothing quite as rewarding and as truly joy-giving as seeing the saints doing well. So that you and I can say, when you're doing well, I'm doing well. There's no greater joy than seeing you loving Jesus and growing into all that God has for you. It's literally nothing like it. It's so rewarding. And because you're sharing in Jesus' joy. You're sharing in His joy. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Is that cool? Let's close in prayer. Yeah, Jesus, we acknowledge this morning that there really is nothing better than You. We've searched high and low and we found it's true, God. There's nothing better than you, Jesus. That it is better to give than to receive. It really is. And God, I want to say thank you for your encouragement this morning over us as a congregation to say, well done for your faithfulness. We, we appreciate hearing the well done of our Father who is in heaven. And God, we pray, may we begin to see the fruit of what we've sown in the wintertime. May we see your church blossom, God, and bear fruit. May we begin to see a passion for Jesus spreading from my heart to others, a love for Jesus, a wholehearted devotion to Christ. May it spread from my heart to others, Lord. And for those of us that maybe feel this morning, I'm glad the church is doing well, but I'm not doing that well. I would want to just encourage you right now, Jesus, Jesus hasn't given up on you, man. As long as there's breath in your lungs, there's a chance for a second chance. As long as you're alive and your heart is beating, there's an opportunity for a second chance. And so I want to just encourage you right now, if that's you, just in your heart say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry where I've, I've sought out my best interests above yours. And it's led me to a desert place. Forgive me, Lord. This morning I choose to make you my joy. To make you my treasure. To be faithful in serving and following you in the good times and the bad times, in sickness and in health. <laughs> because I know that life is only truly found in you. I just want to encourage you this morning, if you're here and you're a, you, maybe, you haven't even necessarily been born again yet, maybe you don't even know 
never mind about your reward in heaven. You're not even sure if you've made peace with God. You don't know that you have peace with God. I want to just encourage you that God, God's got an opportunity for you as well. I'd love to pray with you if you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior this morning. It's important that he's both. Not just, just that he forgives my sin, but he's my Lord. That I follow him. That I bow my knee before him. That I acknowledge him in all my life. If you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior and find peace with God this morning as you live that life which he actually created you for, that he destined you for, that is not found anywhere else but in Jesus. I'd love to pray with you if that is you. I don't know everyone here. If that is you, just pop up your hand where you're sitting and I'd love to lead you in prayer. Is anyone like that here this morning? It would be my joy to pray with you because it's the joy of Jesus who says he rejoices. All of heaven rejoices over one sinner that turns. Is anyone like that this morning? Okay, cool. For the rest of us, oh, there is someone like that. Cool. Let's pray together. Can we all pray together? Lord Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, for paying the debt of my sins. I acknowledge you as Lord. Would you forgive me? Would you make me new? And would you lead me by your Spirit? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome, man.